Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. We've been doing a series called In God I Trust, and there's a great, there's a, there's a great story that, that actually, well, I don't know if it's great, it's actually a little discouraging, came out of uh, Japan. And it was the fact that Japanese children, school children, consistently score higher than American children in, in math. Now, that is certainly no slight on our teachers, but they're trying to find out what in the world's going on. And so they, the researchers got together and they, and they gave Japanese children a puzzle and American children, they were both first graders, and gave them all puzzles, difficult puzzles, same puzzle. And they didn't think they could solve them, but what they wanted to find out was how long would they work on the puzzle before they quit? And what they found is the, the American first graders worked on the puzzle for about nine and a half minutes. And the Japanese first graders worked on that puzzle for close to 14. It's about a 40-some percent di- difference. And what they determined was it wasn't IQ or genetics. It was a function of the fact that the Japanese children were prone to keep going longer. This morning, I want to talk about keeping going, that in God I trust, so because in God I trust, I keep on going. One, one of the biggest things that we deal with is resilience. And one of the things that we have to teach in life is resilience. And resilience is the ability to bounce back, the ability to keep going even when things get difficult. You know, science is now coming up with different research because hey, I can remember as a kid, my dad used to have a, a saying, and I'm like, Dad, you know, that this is tough. And my dad would say, he had a lot of sayings. But one of his sayings was, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Anybody ever hear that growing up? Yeah, that, that really motivated me. Um, <laughs> what they're finding now is, they're, is that they're, they're finding different things and, and science is finding different things because they're looking for how do we build resilience in people? And so, and when I talk about science, listen, I, I'm not down on science. I, I appreciate science, but I don't put science before God. It's God, then science. And so, because here's the deal, science is, is all, they're just finding out about God. God's not just finding out going, oh, wow, I didn't know that. God already knew this. Science points to God. God doesn't point to science. And so as we're learning, we can learn, hey, where does, where does God come in in this? But in science, they're saying that one of the things, if you're going to be resilient, is that you have to be willing to be honest about yourself and your situation. So in other words, resilient people aren't, aren't simply Pollyanna just thinking, oh, everything's perfect, everything's great. They're honest about their situation, but they see challenges instead of threats. And so when they see difficult things going on, it's a challenge, it's, it's not a threat, and that's, that's a help to them. They find that people who are resilient, that they, resilient, they, have, a, they have a different perspective in terms of reframing their emotions. That emotions are not just, they're not just dictators, that emotions are information. And sometimes in life, we just simply have to reframe things and reframe how it works. Now, there was down south of Homa, Louisiana, there's a bayou. And Clarence and Boudreaux were on opposite ends of the bayou. This is a true story. <laughs> not. But uh, they, uh, they would yell at each other. They didn't like each other. They would yell at each other. Clarence would come out and he would say, I will whoop you, Boudreaux. And Boudreaux would yell back, if I could cross this bayou, 
I come beat you up for sure, yeah? And they just went back and forth like this, just constantly. You have to excuse my Cajun accent. It's the best I can do. I'm from North Carolina, all right? But uh, one day, state of Louisiana came and built a bridge right across the bayou. And uh, Marie Boudreaux's wife said, she said, well, she said, now's your chance to do what you say you're going to do. You're going to whoop Boudreaux, I mean Clarence. And he said, I am going to whoop Clarence. He walks out of the house. She hears a screen door slam. A few minutes later, the screen door slams again, and Boudreaux is back. She said, why are you back so soon? He said, I done changed my mind about beating up Clarence. She said, why? He said, I'm walking across that bridge. He said, there was a big sign that said Clarence, 13 feet, 6 inches. He said, I swear, Marie, he don't look that big from across the bayou. He just simply put things in a, in a different framework. Sometimes it helps to be able to reframe. So we have to be able to frame emotions. There's another thing. It said, resilient people don't wait to feel confident. They act and confidence follows. So you're not waiting just to have these overwhelming feelings of, of confidence. If you're going to bounce back, if you're going to keep going, you can't wait to feel confident. You got to act and that's when confidence follows. Someone said, do I sing because I'm happy or am I happy because I sing? And so the action is often what, what causes the emotions and the, and the feelings to follow that. But then one of the biggest things they found is that meaning or purpose in resilient people will move them past discomfort. If there's meaning, why I do what I do, if there's meaning there, well, man, that can move you past some of those, those quitting points in life. They found in, years ago when the Irish they had a potato famine and it caused a depression over the whole country of Ireland. And so to get people involved because the economy just went to, it just was horrible. And so they had the men who were unemployed start building roads. And when they started building roads, they were getting paid not much, but they were working, they were excited, they were singing, there was great morale. And then they noticed that the roads went out into the bogs and just stopped. And that the roads had absolutely no purpose at whatsoever. And when they found there was no purpose whatsoever, that the morale just plummeted and the singing stopped. And one historian wrote, roads to nowhere are hard to build. There has to be a meaning and a sense of purpose behind what we do. So we can take those things that science teaches us, but we can add something to that. We can add our relationship with God and how that gives us strength to keep going. Now let me give you a, a great scripture here in Philippians. Now Paul is writing and, and there's one of the verses here that everyone knows, but I want you to see the context. He said, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. If you know it from the, another version, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And oftentimes we've used that verse as an achievement verse. You hear people say, I'm going to take my test. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's good. Or you see athletes and they kind of, I think one athlete has it written on his shoe. I can do all things. I don't think he 
I don't think he completed the verse, but it's, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we've always looked at that as that's an achievement verse. Actually, when Paul was talking about it, it's not just an achievement verse. It's a, it's a verse to help you handle the ups and downs of life. He said, I've been hungry. I've been well fed. I've had things go great. I've had things go bad. He said, I can handle it. I can stay consistent. I can keep going because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we add, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We add that to science and it adds on to that. And that's what makes a difference. When I was, uh, when we were moving back to Texas and we were moving from North Carolina back to Texas, this was in 1990. And I came, I came to Texas. We had enough money to move. I actually was able, God opened a great door. I was able to, to make a down payment. I was going to get a home. And so we're going to have a home. So I had a, now I had a mortgage and I got a job that was straight commission sales and I'm thinking about moving my family and all this is weighing on me as I'm flying back in the airplane. And I remember getting out a little New Testament that Joy had given me and as I, as I opened it up, I opened it up to Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, and the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice, but I mean I just got a message and it says, you don't need less pressure. You need more strength. In life, there's going to be pressure. In life, there, listen, if you decide you're going to get married, there's going to be pressure there. Don't, don't amen me too loud here, but I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you're going to have a family, there's going to be pressure. If you're going to step out and do what God's called you to do, there's going to be pressure. If you're going to take a new job or a new career, there's going to be pressure. If you're going to a new school, there's going to be pressure. If you're dealing with the loss of a relationship or the loss of a loved one, life is going to have pressure. We can't say, God, take all the pressure away from me. That means I have to die. But God, in the middle of all the pressure, you can strengthen me so I don't quit and I can keep going. That's where we live. We don't live running from pressure. We live, we live leaning into it because we know who's backing us up. And because he's for us, who can be against us? And that helps. So I'm going to give you a story this morning about a little lady who is amazingly resilient. She just kept bouncing back. She was a Canaanite woman. She was not Jewish. She had no covenant with God, was not under Jewish law whatsoever. She had a problem and she came to Jesus. Let's read her story, Matthew 15. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out to the region and cried out to him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him saying, send her away for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord. And even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. This woman had a high pressure situation. She had a daughter that was tormented. She said she's severely demon possessed. She was tormented. This was something that was causing problems in the home. And she came because she had such a great need. She was honest about it. She didn't, she didn't try to tell Jesus she has an issue. She said she is severely demon-possessed. And she went to Jesus because she believed that Jesus was her answer. She believed he had an answer that no one else could give her. So she goes to him. But here's the thing. She had to really not react to the negatives that came her way. Can you imagine you go to, you go to Jesus 
and you're calling out to Jesus and she was calling out Jewish phrases, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. She wasn't even Jewish. She, maybe she heard that somewhere. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus didn't even answer her. And so he's quiet. He doesn't answer her. And then not only, she could have gotten offended at that. And then not only that, then you've got the disciples and they're trying to get rid of her. And they're coming to Jesus going, Jesus, would you get rid of this lady? She is, she is crying after us. And you know what? That's enough that could cause someone to be offended right there and just go, you know, I give up. I'm not sure. I tried to, to do it and, and that's not working. But she, she pushed past the negatives. She didn't let her feelings and emotions, and you know she had them. She didn't let them stop her. She kept going. And then she comes to Jesus and she's very honest and she's, and she's humble. She worships him before she ever gets an answer. That's big. She worships him. He hadn't even had an answer. And she finally looked up and she said, Lord, help me. Just a humble heart. And the Lord, Lord looks at her and goes, um, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Oh, that would have done it for most folks right there. Oh, really? You just called me a dog, a little dog. She would have gone home and blown him up on Facebook. I tried to talk to the preacher, but you can't talk to the big preacher because he's a big preacher and nobody can get a hold of him. And I'm used to, and, 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 and. but she didn't do that because they didn't have Facebook. So, <laughs> but you can imagine, you, you, you just, man, that's an adjustment. And she basically, she's saying, you're right, Lord. I know I don't have a covenant, but then she says something powerful. She said, but the, even the little dogs get the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She just basically looked at him and said, you're still the master, even though I don't understand everything and don't know what's going on. You're the master and you're still my answer. And Jesus looked at her. And he said, oh, woman, great is your faith. Don't get caught up in the, he called her woman. Now, I don't suggest you do that at home. I tried that a couple times with joy. It does not work. But I can imagine that he just, he could have, he could have said it in our vernacular, sweetheart, darling, I, woman, oh, great is your faith. Great is your faith. He said, let it be to you, even as you desire. Mark tells the same story. When Mark tells the story, he said when she goes home, that little girl's just lying on the bed, which indicates that that was something unusual and rare. But let me tell you something, where God shows up, peace shows up. And where God shows up, there's no confusion and there's no turmoil and there's no anger. There's peace. Amen. And when the demon was gone, that child was peaceful and good. She could have. She could have gotten offended, but she had a purpose that drove her past her feelings. She had a purpose that drove her past her discomfort. Could have gotten mad. Could have gotten offended at Jesus could have gotten offended at the disciples, could have gotten angry at the fact that here was these Jewish people and they don't want to see me because I'm not Jewish. She could have gotten offended at all of that, but, but her purpose was, I need to see my daughter free. And that was enough to keep her going past all the pride and the feelings and the discomfort. If we're going to be resilient, we need that in our life. So, in God I trust, so I keep going. How do you keep going? You start with, as a baseline, your relationship with God is where we start. This is the starting place. Our trust, your trust, is in God as a baseline. Because here's the beautiful thing. We are not walking through this life alone. Amen. We are not by ourselves. So I face problems. I deal with situations. I see them come my way. 
but my first place where I start is I've got help. In Hebrews, the 13th chapter, you've heard us quote this verse a lot. It's one of my favorites. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. If the scriptures say, we can boldly say, then guess what you can boldly say? The Lord is my helper. The Lord is helping me. The Lord is helping me. I want to tell you something. Just saying that will help you when you face a problem. You face a problem and you're starting to look at all the different circumstances. But if you can just stop and take a step back and go, but the Lord is helping me. I am not alone in this. And if the Lord is helping me, I didn't matter who's coming against me. He's bigger, greater, stronger, faster than anything I'm dealing with. If the Lord is helping me, that's where I start. So we start with the problem with, but I'm not alone in this. The Lord is helping me. That's baseline. Second one is be honest, not fatalistic. We mean fatalistic. Fatalistic, someone looking at it goes, it's all going to blow up. We're all, we're all going to die. It's all horrible. That's fatalistic. We want to be honest. We want to be able to look at the situation and honestly look at it and go, okay, here's the situation, but we're not going to look and go, but that's the end. We're going to look at that situation and believe it's not the end. Honestly look at it, but believe it's not the end. A number of years ago, I read a book by Jim Collins called Good to Great, one of the best business books I ever read. And Jim Collins was an author who, he did an interview with uh, Admiral James, uh, James or like, uh, Jim Stockdale. Stockdale was the highest ranking officer in the Hanoi Hilton during the Vietnam War. He was a prisoner of war for seven years. It's a long time. And they asked him when he got out, Jim, Jim asked him, they said, they said, Admiral Stockdale, who didn't make it through? Who were the POWs that did not make it through the prisoner of war camp? And Stockdale said something very interesting. He said, oh, that's easy, the optimist. And, and, <laughs> Collins went, excuse me, the optimist. He said, yes. He said, there was always a group that would say, we're going to be out by Christmas. And Christmas would come and go. We're going to be out by Easter. And Easter would come and go. He said, we're going to be out by Thanksgiving. It would come and go. And pretty soon it's Christmas again. He said, and they would die of a broken heart. It just broke them. They, they stopped fighting. They stopped keeping going. And Stockdale said this. He said, we always have to be willing to face the brutal realities of life but we don't face it. We face it and go, okay, here are the facts, but there's the faith that says, but with God, I'm going to prevail. Amen. With God, I'm going to come through this. So we look at situations. We've had, Joy and I have had to look at situations in, in the past with our children. And we've had to look at her situation when she was so sick. And we've had to look. And the doctor said this and the doctor said that. We couldn't ignore it. We couldn't, we couldn't say it's not true. But what we believed was, but when, the, when it's all said and done, God is going to help us and we're going to come through this. And I want to tell you something. He's come through time and time and time again. And he'll do it for us and he'll do it for you. It wasn't because we were pastors. It wasn't because we were preachers. It was because we were people that put our trust in the living God who can do amazing things. So we look at life and we look at, the, we look at the circumstances, but then we keep the faith that with Christ we're going to prevail and we're going to, to come through. Do you have a verse on that, guys? Do I have a verse behind that? I may not. Okay. That's actually my next verse. Just 
hang on to that one just for a second. Third thing is that we react. I mean, we respond to feelings. We don't react to them. We respond to feelings. We don't react. You say, what do you mean by reacting? We live in a feelings generation. Everything is, how, how do you feel? How do you feel? How do you feel? Feelings don't have to have the last word. Some of you didn't feel like coming this morning, but you came. And you're like, oh, once I got here, I'm okay. I used to have people come up to me all the time, especially on Wednesday night. They say, you know, I was tired. I really didn't want to come here, which always blesses me. And um, <laughs> I said, I really didn't want to come, but, you know, now, now I got here and, you know, so much. But let me tell you something. I really believe that if you, come into, if you come into church feeling bad, you're going to leave differently because you're going to worship God. You're going to hear what he's got to say. You ought to, we ought to leave here stronger than how we walked in. And listen, if you're going to a church where they beat you down, you need to find another one because the gospel is a lifting message and it will lift you up and give you some hope. It will not push you down and condemn you. So when you come to here, when you come to the ark, someone said... Someone said, y'all are just a feel-good church. You're exactly right. We are a feel-good church. I would rather feel good than feel bad about coming to church and getting beat down. No, I'm telling you, I got a good God and a good gospel, and it lifts people. It does not destroy them. So come on in and feel good. You still got time. Waste an hour of your time feeling bad. Yeah, waste of time. But feelings, nothing more than feelings trying to forget my feelings of love, feelings. Whoa, 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 feelings. Man, we live there. But here's a beautiful, here's a thought, here's a great thought. It's a new thought, but think this way. What if feelings are only messengers? They're not dictators. Feelings may send you a message. Hey, this doesn't look that good, but they don't dictate how we have to act. You may not feel like doing something. A lot of you are going to wake up tomorrow morning. It's Monday morning. You're going to wake up. You go, man, I don't feel like going to work. But then you think, man, I feel like eating on a regular basis. So I'm going to go and <laughs> I'm going to go and keep my job. And, and, and you do it anyway. Listen, feelings don't have to dictate. Now we can put that scripture back up because we've got a great example. Think of all the hostility he, Jesus, endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. King James said, then you won't become weary and faint in your mind. He was talking about Jesus when he went to the cross. He said, you think you're having a bad day? Think of what Jesus went through and all the hostility that he went through. And he went through it for us. And he still pushed past the feelings so you don't get weary and give up. We've got a great example. We've got the strong son of God as our example. And if he was, he was able to push past amazing feelings, so can we. And we can do that. Here's, a, here's the last one, and this is so important. Meaning. Meaning is the best motivator. Finding a meaning and purpose in your life is the best motivator. It's better than money. It's better than, than fame, than image, than fear. It's the best motivator. And you can find a meaning and a purpose. Man, that, that changes everything. You say, well, I I don't I know they have a meaning. Listen, one of your meanings and purposes in life is that you become a blessing to the people around you. That's a great meaning. But meaning is so necessary. We've got to find it. In, in Germany, excuse me, in World War II in Hungary, there was a German, German concentration camp where they, they put a lot of Jews. And these Jews had a horrible task. They were employed making an additive for the, for the German um, war machine. And listen to this job. They had to take and distill human waste and garbage 
and make it into an alcohol-like additive that they would add to, to improve their gas mileage. It was foul. It was, it was foul. You're talking about a vile job. And they knew that these, these Jewish prisoners of war, these Jewish uh, prisoners were also having to add to the, to the German war machine. And so they did it day after day after day. Well, in 1944, the uh, Allied bombers destroyed the, uh, the place where they were making this additive, just destroyed it. And so the Germans had the, the, uh, had the prisoners, when the bombs stopped, they had to move all the debris from one part of the camp to the other end of the camp. And the Jewish prisoners were complaining about the angry that they had to move it. But then once, once they got it moved and, and organized, then they had to move it back to the original location. Well, now they're starting to curse the Germans for their stupidity. But then when they got it moved back, they made them move it again, back to the other end of camp and then move it again. And all of a sudden it began to dawn on them what the evil plan was. And the evil plan was that the Germans were not gonna reemploy them, but they were gonna keep them busy doing meaningless tasks day after day. Here's what happened and it's, it's it's fascinating what happened. These guys, many of them had worked three years doing this vile job. But when, when this happened in a matter of days, it was driving them crazy. Some threw themselves on the electric fence. Some were shot trying to escape. Some were beaten because they just began to scream relentlessly. And what they found is senseless work, work with zero purpose, was absolutely driving these guys crazy. And the German commandment uh, the guy who was over the camp, he wrote, hey, we may not have to use the crematorium. He realized that this meaningless work, this lack of purpose was driving people insane. I think this is what happens sometimes when people retire too early. They lose a sense of purpose. We need a sense of purpose. We need, we need a sense. People have asked me, are you going to retire? I'm like, do what? Stare at Joy at home. She kicked me out in no time. That, that isn't going to work. But the idea is what keeps us going, what keeps us moving past discomfort is having a sense of meaning. We say, well, Alan, I don't have a sense of meaning in my life. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you do have a sense of meaning. You do have a purpose. And let me show you what it is right here. That you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Do you know that that's that's what we're all called to do, is to walk worthy of God. See, what do you mean by walking worthy? I don't know, if you're a parent, you may have done this, but if you ever taken your children out maybe to a restaurant or you're going shopping and you look at them before you go and go, don't you dare embarrass me. Don't you be acting like crazy. Don't you be throwing a, a, a pitch of fit in Walmart and make me drag you out by your screaming because you can't, I, maybe I'm the only parent that ever did that, but I'm just like, don't you dare. You, you walk worthy. What, you, what, you, it's in our daily lives, you walk worthy of a Clayton. You act like you act like you were raised by somebody other than wolves. You act like you are you've got you've got some work. Listen, if if we want that as a parent because our children represent us, how much more does our heavenly Father want us to walk worthy of Him who bought us, who paid a huge price for us, who redeemed us and made us new creations, who's changed us on the inside? And now He He said. You want a purpose? You want to walk worthy so that people can look at us and go, whatever you've got, I want it. Whatever you've got, you've got peace. 
you're, you're still going when other people have quit. Listen, when you've got a bigger purpose, you move past the discomfort. And our big purpose is that one day we want to stand before the Lord and have him say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's a purpose. That's something that will keep you going. And that's something that we all need. Walk worthy. Meaning and purpose. Keep going. In God I trust, so I keep going. Alexander Solzhenitsyn was a Russian writer, won a Nobel Prize for literature. He wrote something critical about Joseph Stalin. They put him in a Siberian gulag, made him work. Horrible conditions. And one day he'd had enough. He wanted to die. And so he thought the way he was going to do it was he would just stop working and lean on his shovel. He said he knew the guards would come over and beat him to death because he refused to work. So he's leaning on his shovel and one of his co-workers saw him and, one of, and knew what he was doing. He said the co-worker just reached over in front of him and in the dirt with his shovel, he drew a cross. And then he erased it before the guards could come. When Alexander Solzhenitsyn said he saw that cross, it just energized him. He said, because it reminded him of the hope and the courage that we have in Christ. The hope and the courage that we have in him. And so he didn't kill himself. Listen, if you're out there and you're thinking, there's no purpose to my life, there's no reason for me to live, I'm, I'm that messenger today. I'm the messenger drawing the cross in the dirt, reminding you there is hope in Christ. There is courage in Christ. There is someone who loves you. There is someone who cares for you. Life is worth living. Do not do yourself any harm. The message today is we have a hope in him. And because we have a hope in him, we keep going. Would you bow your heads with me? Please no one leaving or moving will be out of here in just a few moments. But if you came today and maybe you're thinking to yourself, ah, I, I, don't, I don't have a relationship with the Lord. I know that. He knows that. But I want one. Or maybe you're like I was and had a relationship with the Lord and, and just went away from him. And you recognize you're sitting there today going or you're watching online and you go, I don't have, man, I, I'm just not where I should be with God. I know that. We're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to have you stand up or come to the front. But right sitting where you are is a prayer that can connect you with the one who loves you the most and the one who can help you keep going. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. But if that's you that I'm talking to and you're the one, say, Alan, I, that's me. Would you pray for me real quickly? Just shoot your hand up quickly across this auditorium and say, pray for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate your courage. And put your hands down. We're going to pray. I can't see all the hands, obviously, but I certainly can't see them online. But it takes courage to do that. Now, you're watching with us online. We're going to say a prayer. You're here. You can pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. You're watching online. You're by yourself. Pray it out loud. If you're with other people, you can, you can pray it quietly. But we're going to pray it together as a church family. Say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ. Because I've said yes to you. Now, head still bowed and eyes closed. Father, thank you for those who have prayed that prayer, for those who've stepped out of spiritual darkness into the light, and for those who've come back home. We rejoice with them. 
And Father, for all of us, thank you that because we trust you, because we know you will help us, that we have the courage and the faith and the purpose and the strength to keep going. And we will keep going and we will walk worthy of you and we will honor you with our lives. Thank you for that. We give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.